Martha McDonald. And I'm Sophia Fabili. Welcome back to another season of the Playhouse Podcast. Whether you've been coming to the Playhouse for 30 years or it's your first time, this podcast is a way for us to invite you into the playmaking process. Whether it's acting, directing, design, or life behind the scenes, this podcast gives your ears a front row seat. <laughs> Welcome back to the Thousand Islands Playhouse podcast. Right now, it is just me, company manager, Marcia McDonald, as my partner in crime, Sophia Fabili, is in class. She is currently in teacher's college and works for the Playhouse part-time. This is actually my second last day as we hear recording it, um, but you will hear my voice once more on the final podcast episode of the 2021 season. This week's podcast, we have an excellent guest. Um, We're talking about Serving Elizabeth, which is our third show this season, and we are interviewing Rachel Forbes, set and costume designer. Rachel Forbes is an award-winning set and costume designer creating for theater, dance, and film. Her work has been seen across the country on stages including at the Shaw Festival, Buddies in Bad Times, Obsidian Theater, Neptune Theater, YPT, Centaur Theater, and many more. She has designed, mentored, and taught at the university level. Rachel is currently serving on the board of directors of the Associate Designers of Canada. She's particularly invested in the development of new works and interdisciplinary explorations. Rachel has various upcoming projects, including new monuments with Canadian Stage and Luminato, Gould's Wall with Tapestry Opera, and the Royale at the Citadel Theatre. Have a listen to our interview with Rachel. Oh, welcome, Rachel Forbes. So great to have you here. Hello. Hi, great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. We pulled Rachel Forbes out of rehearsal. She's incredibly busy. We have these, this golden opportunity to have a conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. Anytime. We're, uh, so we, um, we're excited to talk to, to have the chance to talk to a designer this season. You're the first designer we're talking to on the podcast. Um, how did you enter the world of design and theater? I feel like it's a, it's a very niche career. Yeah. Well, I started out probably in high school. I got interested in drama. I joined the drama club, all of that kind of fun stuff. And it was like in, I think in grade 10, they put me in a show and it was the literal worst experience. <laughs> I hated it. I hated people looking at me, all of that, but I still love theater and I um, always sort of had a bit of a visual art sort of interest and always loved drawing and painting and so and loves like story write stories writing um, all of like storytelling aspects and so I found myself excited to you know in high school direct and write and also I started painting and designing sets Um, and it really was only set at the beginning and from there I went to school. I went to Ryerson University and I studied production and even then I wasn't sure um, like what I would do inside of theatre. I, I love, like actually really love carpentry. Don't tell anybody though because I don't want to ever have to build things. Oh, Mark, you'll be his assistant. But yeah, so I didn't know what I wanted to do and I spent some time, I spent a lot of time in wardrobes working and then realized that like, I like to be the one to decide things. <laughs> and that's how I ended up in design specifically. To do the creative part. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's amazing. So. so tell us about your path. I always find it super fascinating, folks who are drawn to the theater but don't want to be in, in the spotlight or know like, this isn't for me, but there's something in this world that I'm drawn to. And like the cross section of like, visual art and drama and storytelling and all those things coming together when did it all crystallize for you like was it when you were at university like your path to being like yes I'm a set and costume designer like when you felt that that was you how did how did when did that moment come 
I mean, I, maybe I'm still waiting for it. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I feel like, so the way I view what I do is that we all come together, a group of people to make a show. And, you know, the actors are gonna do the part where they go on stage, but we're all telling the story and I'm gonna do the part where I decide what all the things on stage are and what they're gonna wear. And that's my part of telling the story. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So it yeah. all feels like, um, I don't ever like to, to make it feel like um, so specific, even though it really, really is. Um, I've, I've always been somebody who's interested in, um, in like in the telling of these of stories in all the different ways. Like I, lo I love doing like, I design for dance a lot. Um, things that are sort of interdisciplinary are artists that I, that I work with a lot, people who sort of traverse dance and, and theater, text-based theater. And so, uh, yeah, I think my favorite thing about it is that I get to be the one to kind of give each storytelling a container mm -hmm. and, a, and an aesthetic, uh, yeah. like a visual aesthetic. So, I can't remember what your question was. You're like create. Well, you're you're creating the world, like as much as as much as like the mm -hmm. actors are like the vehicle to tell the story verbally, like or or through movement. Your work is what, like, if you if you were to say, like, okay, well, yes, it's Shakespeare, but I'm going to create it, and it's going to be in this dystopian world. Like, even though the words are the same, your work is what changes the story, right? So, yeah, it's a huge. It's like a whole separate character. Um, yeah. Do you have a preference of whether you do both? set and costumes or just set or just costumes or does it depend on the project? It depends on the project. Um, I think like set was my first love, but the first love is not always the only love. So um, costume is way up there too. I, I think like almost always I could take on a set design. And sometimes there's times when like costumes feel too, um, I don't know what the word is, but um, I love doing them too. I love doing them when it's, especially when there's like a movement or musicality to play. I find that really exciting when it comes to costumes. And I love when you're getting to define a world that isn't our everyday world, even mm -hmm. if that difference is only slight. That yeah. makes sense. I love, like I, I went, when I was in, at university, like I, I produced a lot of stuff, but the other, only, only other thing I did was costumes. I can't, I I couldn't do set. Like, there's no way. Like, the 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 clothing and the like way a character looks to me is like so cool. But like the the concept of set design and like actually building the world in which those costume people live is like completely like like I can't even fathom how you come up with an idea like that. I, like, I feel like costume is so much. I don't know. That's maybe just my brain, but like feels so much more referential. But let's dig into that because I love what you said about aesthetic and the container, right? And I think it's so interesting because a set designer, a costume designer, you are imagining and picturing these things before there's anything to see. Like it lives in your mind and then you create it. It's like so, it's just, and, and, it, and it happens months and months and months in advance. So my thought, my question is when you are beginning a process, like, do you do vast amounts of research? Do you sketch? Do you, how do you fill that, fill your own artistic, like, well with ideas to draw from or like it's I'm so curious like what is that process like for you yeah um I I love research it's kind of like the nerdy the nerdy part of me loves to research and um partly I think it's because I love to fill my brain 
with images. I feel like what I'm doing is like making a really complex coffee where like the, all my research are the grounds and I like put them inside myself and then out comes <laughs> this other thing. <laughs> and, Love that. Goodness, this is a weird analogy. Anyways, but that's kind of what it feels like. So um, I love research. I do. I like to surround myself with lots of things and some of them being concrete, like historical research is fun, but also just like thinking, like seeing images that excite me, images that have to do with light. And I sometimes have like use music as research, ways to get into things like with this show. Um, it's so the sound design is fantastic. Like Andrew is wonderful. And he's captured these two worlds like um, you know I was not alive in 1952 but I was there in 2015 and I remember like the music the sounds it feels like it was just the other day but I look back on like my own self being younger and all of that um anyways you were asking another question which was um yeah research and then I like to go straight to um I prefer to like sketch in 3d if that makes sense so I tend to go straight to a model and even really roughly play with shapes and things that, um, you know, and, and little pieces of furniture just to capture like what, uh, what are the way that we're breaking up this space? What are the rules of this world? Like, um, and, and like, what is the flow of each, of each thing? Like we've ever gone into a store and you're like, this store does not make sense. I don't know why, but when I come in, like, I actually want to go over there, but there's just stuff in the way. It's like that. It's like, that's actually um, a huge part of the work I do is to make sure that if I'm creating a room or a space, it has the right kind of flow. It's going to drive the actors and the scenes around the space in ways that make sense. Yeah. Um, and ways that give some dynamic play to, to what we're doing. So... So yeah, so for serving Elizabeth specifically, like the project at hand, it, like you were sort of referencing earlier, it spans two vastly different time periods and two vastly different cultures. Mm -hmm. How, like, how do you, how did you, how did you approach this project? Like, did you start with one piece, one world, or do you think about them all at once? Or you're like, I'm going to get the modern day one out of the way. And then I'm going to focus on like the Kenyan and the, and the, like Elizabeth, those kinds of things, or? I think that the play doesn't let you do that. Right. Because um, it, it demands that, um, that the past is present and that it's important. So that's why I think the scenes are, are together the way they are. And, yeah. and so for me, I think I can't ignore that. The two things are, in, are intrinsically linked. Um, so with this piece, you know, my approach was yes to research a lot because there's lots of things I don't know about the Queen or Kenya or the 50s. There's, you know, lots to learn. I think I've got lots of the costume knowledge up here already around like, um, you know, like I've done 50s costumes before, for yeah. example, but these specific ones are different. So yeah, I like to. I, I thought about them both a lot, and the main the main thing that I'm doing with this show is trying to find out how how both can live simultaneously. Um, because the the play also just it drives forward, and mm -hmm. so both things have to exist at all times in a lot of ways for it for it to make sense and for it to keep moving in the way that the story wants to move. For sure. Yeah, they're not like they're not isolated. Like the stories are being told. 
by the same people at the same time. So they kind of, those two characters that they're playing have to kind of meld together in some way. And same with the set, like the set, like it can't, it has to be one, like it can't be, you know? Yeah, it's one, it's one thing. Um, it's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the fun thing too is to find, once you've created that, that world that can house everything and a language of clothing and costumes, it's fun to find the contrasts, right? Which is a lot of like, that's the work the actors are doing too, right? To find the contrast mm -hmm. in those characters, contrast mm -hmm. in the time period. And so there's things, you know, that will happen that are like, you can introduce these these objects that will, like a, like the cell phones, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like that just in and of itself is a contrast that exists. So like, those are important as well. And then but the container itself, I felt really has to be one place. And I'll admit, I kind of let the, um, to some degree, I let the, like myself finding Kenyan aesthetics as best as I can to like lead the, the way a little bit. In mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's the, that's the, the main driver of the story is the story of the Kenyan women. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, well, just to say too, I think like, again, I'm, I'm not a designer, so I'm always just so, this, the diverse skill set that you have, like, it's just so many things that we don't even see, like the number of decisions you make about like what you're saying about the flow of the space, what color palette, what are the pieces that contrast and pop and what are the pieces that exist within a certain, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I just, it, it like literally my brain just explodes in thinking about all the tiny and huge and all together how many decisions you make that, that go into a show especially when you're doing um a show that with set and costume and especially in a show like this one where you're kenya in 1950 1952 and then you're a modern day 2015 and you're and you're dressing someone who just dresses the queen like it's just such a, a you know what i mean those are very divergent um aesthetics and then somehow you need to like make them all fit together and contrast each other I just find that like the challenge of that is just huge so I, I can't wait to see now like that we have this conversation your your design choices is going to be so cool so this is a big show in a small space do you find it challenging to like adapt your vision for a given space or do you like take the space first and then start thinking of your vision based on the space that you know you have yeah I am I I uh, I like to say that all theater is site specific. Yeah, you know that. That's like a great a thing to say. I love that. <laughs> of theater that is like site specific theater that happens at, like on location or whatever. But I, I I challenge the idea that any theater space is neutral. It's not actually neutral. We're in a theater, and so yeah, I do always I do always approach from space first usually unless it's something that's gonna like tour to a ton of spaces that are completely yeah. different. Um, yeah. But with this, with this definitely, I started thinking around, um, you know, the shape of the space. And for me, it's really, really important where the audience is. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you can't, tr in this space, we have audience on three sides. And, if we treat it like the audience in front is the, are the only ones there, if we stage it that way, that's not considering the actual dynamism of the space. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I definitely start considering everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. I'm so excited to see it. I know our audiences will be, feel like they've been waiting for this one. Like it feels like it's been a long time coming. So I think it's going to be really great. And I think people are really excited to see it. Yeah. And um, just for people listening, in case they don't know the context of what Marta is saying is that we did, when was it, what, in what playwrights unit, Marta? 2017, 2017, 2017, 2017, I think. Uh, Marcia Johnson developed this play in the TAP Playwrights Unit, and it was slated to premiere in 2020, but we all know what happened that year. And so now, finally, we're, we're it's happening, which is, which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, before we let you go back to rehearsal, Rachel, I just wanted to ask one more question about your process that, you know, there are... And through this podcast, too, we've been talking with artists about just how much time goes into the design prep that people don't see and, you know, research and then production and building and then technical, all that kind of stuff. Do you have a favorite part, a favorite chapter of the story? Do you love it all? Do you thrive in tech week? What's your jam? What's your jammiest jam? Ooh. Um, I sort of love the part when you've talked to the director a lot, potentially, and then you get to talk to the whole design team. So when I'm talking with lighting and sound and incorporating all of those things, or sometimes, you know, a costume designer or a set designer, I love that part where we're a full team making, making the thing, understanding the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially like as a set designer. And... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just saying, as a set designer, I, I'm always thinking, like, no set have I designed that looks good under work lights, <laughs> under, like, fluorescent bulbs or anything like that. Like, it needs a lighting designer. Always. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Well, um, it's a power, like, the true collaborative power of theater, right? It's that we all need each other. We need the lights to shine so that the set, so that the scenic painter's work looks the best. And we all, you know what I mean? We all need that beautiful collaboration. Yeah, 100%. Well, before we let her go, should we do a quick fire round? Yes, let's do it. All right, here we go. We're going to go real fast. What's your favorite part of your job? Um, this is supposed to be quick. Yeah, <laughs> first thing that comes to mind. Model building. Yeah, what's the toughest part of your job? Drafting. So what, what do you do on your days off that is theater unrelated? Oh, people get days off? Um, <laughs> <laughs> too busy. Um, I like to ride my bike, long bike rides. Nice. If you had a totally different job that wasn't in the theater, what job would that be? Oh, I don't know that I'm good at anything else. Uh, <laughs> Hello, you're a carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> but only stage carpentry. I can't do real carpentry. Yeah, you can, I can build a chair, but you maybe shouldn't stand on it. <laughs> um, and what do you love about Gananoque so far? Oh, just standing by the river. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a good place for that, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. It's been really great to talk to you. I know you have so much to do heading into Tech Week, so we really appreciate you taking some time. And um, we all can't wait to see all of your work and your flow and your choices and your and your your mind spewed out on the stage. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It was great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. 
I always love talking to a designer because I feel like they bring a really interesting perspective into the work that you're about to see. Um, Hopefully, if you're on your way to serving Elizabeth, you are checking out every aspect that Rachel spoke about um, in that interview. And if you're not, if you couldn't get a ticket, you know you can always watch the live stream, so be sure to check that out as well. Special thanks to Mark Hunt, TIP's head carpenter, for composing the music for this podcast. This podcast is produced by MyFM Gananoque. Thanks to Terry Lynn for all her help. We're recording today on the traditional land of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and the Anishinaabek Nation. 